you get your resources mobilized because God is interested in an active faith, one that is other-centered. And so often we can say, how has the love of God, the love of God changed my life? And we might say, well, you know, the love of God came into my life and it, and it, and it helped me see the, the, the horrible father, the horrible mother I was. And, and when, I, when I realized how much God loves me, I, I turned and I, and I repented and I, I'm seeking to love my children better and, and praise God for that. That's good. And you're making a difference in your own life. You're seeing a difference in your children's lives. Maybe you come from a rough background uh, and your parents were, were just having a really rough time and, and Christ came into your life and you were able to overcome all the, all the what we call baggage of your life and, and you could see life in Christ and life, life now has purpose, right? And you can see, uh, yeah, God changed me in that way. Maybe you're in a, a rough marriage and, and you're not seeing the way out. And, and, you, and we're talking about the love of God. Well, what about the love of my spouse? Would, would, not my, would it not be great if my spouse knew the love of God in such a way that it changed his or her life? And so we can think about all these answers to this question, how has the love of God changed your life? And we can think, but I'm asking today as we engage in this question, we have to think a little bit beyond the norm, if I can say it that way. Uh, we're going to look at, I think I have it labeled as, uh, well, we'll get into the First John 16 11. We're going we're gonna to look at four, what I call practical truths, right? I think they're practical because they're truth, and if they're lived out, they will make a difference in our life and in the life of others, right? But let's go ahead and read John, First John 4, 16 through 21. We'll finish off the chapter today. Next week we'll be in a, uh, a study of conflict, which will dovetail very nicely with, uh, with our study of of loving like Jesus uh, here. All right, so here we see 1 John four sixteen, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Uh, before I move off that slide, let me just kind of share once again that this, uh, this particular verse is just a, a restatement of what John has been saying over and over again. He's been calling us to focus upon the great commandment, to love God and to love our neighbor. I mean, that's, that's what we're called to do, folks. And, and so if it sounds a little repetitive, it's because John's a little repetitive. But he's repetitive for a purpose, and that is to to get it into our hearts and minds, the fact that God has a purpose for His love. Yes, He has a purpose for our love, but the, the text of John is more focused on the purpose of God's love in us and through us, and, and that's what we're going to see here. He says it's a commandment. It's not an option uh, that we have from God, though, uh, that he who loves God must love his brother also. 
and sister, right? We're supposed to love each other. So, so the big idea, and I don't know if this is going to be sufficient or not. I, re, I, I tweaked it a little bit from this first service, but um, I, you know, I'm a very practical guy. I like to live out life, but he, God's love is meant to change the way we live every day. And so when we, I don't, I started thinking, you know, we come here week after week. This is me getting off script. All right, so we come here week after week after week after week. And we file in, we socialize, we sit, we stand, we sing, we sit, we read scripture, we pray, we stand, maybe sing some more, we come, we hear the word of God. And somebody is want, 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 want for about anywhere from 35 to 45 to 55 minutes. And 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 uh, and we sit, and then we and then we uh, we stand, and then we sing, and then we leave. And you know what? I have no idea what goes on in your life after you leave this place. So for today, uh, just just for today, humor me, humor me. Today, think about this: God's love is meant to change the way we live every day. Would you consider how God would have you change? You know that dreaded word. Everyone likes progress. Nobody likes change, right? Uh, it's like we, we're all about, you know, let's, let's sink some money into this wonderful ministry and let's blow, as Dave said, let's blow the top off that thermometer and I'm all about it. I, and then I'm not diminishing that, so don't let me diminish that. Give. We plan on giving. Give. But let's also consider right now that God's love has a purpose. John has been challenging us to look at it from all these different ways, and God's love is meant to change people. And it starts with us. And then it flows into the lives of others because that's what God's love is capable of doing. So God's love is meant to change the way we live every day. It didn't, God's love changed me. How, when, when is the last time God's love changed you? Well, when I got saved. Well, then I hope you got saved yesterday. Because God's love is intended to change you every day. Because it's a constant battle. It's a constant call to wake up and, and be living in the lives of others for their, perp- for their, for their benefit and for, for God's glory. So let's just keep this in our head that we're, we're talking about today in this particular half hour to 35 minutes is when we leave here, let's show God's love. Let's, 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 ex- let's make sure we've experienced it and then let it change us as we relate to others, all right? Here we go. So four practical truths to help us see the ways we need to change. Uh, the first one is this. God's union with us empowers us to practice continuous love. We're going to talk about this idea of God's union. What does that mean? Uh, but notice, there's the work of God, and each one of these points is you see the work of God lived out in our lives, right? So the work of God, God's union with us. We're not, I'm not actually talking about our union with God. That's very us-focused. Yeah, my union with God, yeah? And I'm, it, you can't divorce yourself from it. It's in the text, but it's the idea. I want to just make the point that it's God's union with us. He has, he has purposed to, to reveal himself to us and to, and to call us into relationship with him. But we're going to see that God's union with us, it empowers us to do something, and that is to practice continuous love. Ooh, that sounds hard, and it is. 
And it's only possible through the strength of God. Let's look at this first, uh, first verse here, First uh, John 4, 16. We, we covered this first part last week, and we have known and believed the love of God, the, the, uh, excuse me, believe the love that God has for us. And let me just touch on that because it was in last week's message. But it is the foundation for this message, and that is this. You cannot show the love of God unless you know the love of God. And he's saying here, and we have known and we have believed. It's that perfect tense. It's an event that happened in the past, but it has continuing results. And, and it also shows a progression from knowledge to faith, right? You can't come to faith in something you don't know. So, so in 16 here, we see, and we have known, right? We know that the love of God is, has been shed forth, right? We learned that intellectually, that information has been shared, but then we came to believe it. We, we, we uh, responded to that love, and we believed. We came to faith. And he's saying here, we have known and we have believed the love that God has for us. That's that Jesus Christ came into this wicked, disgusting world to redeem sinners, And folks, I hope you don't have a lofty view of yourselves today because every single one of us is a wicked sinner at the core of who we are apart from Christ. When we came into this world, we were horrible, wicked sinners that could have gone any number of ways into our sin, but God redeemed us and we came to faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Now, maybe you haven't come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I'm not a wicked, horrible person. I get that. I, I, you know, I understand. But listen, you have to understand who you are by nature and who you are by action. By nature, you are a son and, uh, or daughter of, of Adam and Eve. And therefore, you have the sin nature that has been passed down to every person who's ever lived except for the only begotten Son of God, and that's Jesus Christ. His miraculous incarnation into this world, his sinless life while he lived in this world, made him the only person that could hang on that cross and pay for your sins and for mine because he's not paying for his own. And he died, he was buried, he resurrected, he ascended into heaven, and he's coming again, folks. And when he comes again, he's coming as judge, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But let us just bask in the joy that we have known and we have believed that the, the love that God has for us, because that's why we sit here week after week after week. And that's why it compels us that when we walk out of this place, we are supposed to live out this love of God in a way that changes our lives and will change others. That's the basis of everything John's going to say here. So then he starts, and in many translations, a new paragraph begins at uh, God is love. And it says, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. This is, this is the reality of what I'm talking about here. This, the, this abiding in love uh, and abiding in God. John's been using this word all, these words already. And, and so we see... I'm going to go back. Sorry, I've got to go back here. This union is the idea that we are in the family of God. We've established we're children of God because we've come to faith in, in Jesus Christ. But we're also told, John just finished telling us, that an evidence of our uh, union with God and our salvation is the fact that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. Uh, children uh, pray and they ask Jesus into their heart, right? Well, we, you know, that's, that's a basically saying that they want to respond to the love of Jesus. So they, they, they invite Jesus in their heart. But it's, it's not so much that they're inviting as much as they're responding to the love that God has already shed forth. And so we are told that we have this union with God. It is a union of abiding. I'm abiding in love. 
We know God is love, so it's the idea of he who he or she who abides in love is abiding in God. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, experience to know that you're in the love of God. But, and then it says, and God in him. And so we see this abide and abide, and it's the idea, it's in the present tense. That's where I'm getting this. Uh, I don't think I, I thought I fixed that. I didn't. So let me just go back. I thought I inserted a slide here. This is where I get the idea of continuous. God's union with us, motivated by God, accomplished by God, has a purpose for God, but it empowers us to practice this continuous love. That is the idea of abide, and abide is the idea. It's in the present tense. It never stops being in the present tense. It's always in the present tense. We are called to a continuous love of others. And that sounds draining, (laughs) all right? People, right? Ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Have you heard that one, right? right? And I I tell people all the time, I used to laugh at that too until I met people, all right? And now I realize, no, it's true. But it's not just me that's a minister. We're all ministers, right? Pastors are called to equip the saints for ministry. And ministry is tough because of people. Because people have their preferences and their their perspectives and they have all these things and and we'll talk about some of that next week when we get into conflict but we are called to no matter who the person is because they are an image of God bearer we are called to continuously love them there is never a time where you or or I am allowed to not love someone and so you want to talk about a way a practical way of changing allowing the love of God to change you I would like to ask you, and I'll ask myself, how often are we guilty of talking about someone behind their back in a negative way? How often are we characterized by, by defaming someone or, or just even thinking the thoughts? We didn't even share it to anybody else. But we are, whether we are speaking it from the, from the uh, rooftop or whether we're doing it in our own minds, God knows what we're doing. And he's saying, listen, you're supposed to be in continuous abiding love. You are never, ever supposed to not love. And the love that we're talking about here is God's love, not ours. I mean, I, listen, I love my wife, but I hope I'm loving my wife with God's love. Not just the flimsy love I might be able to generate, right? I'm called to a sacrificial love for my wife, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's a sacrificial love. But, but the love of God is, I still say, it's that other-oriented, active love that says, I cannot sit still when there's some need or some person is around me that needs the love of God. I feel motivated to give it. Because we're supposed to be giving it continuously. And that's something I'm just going to say. It's one of the practical ways where this text can change our lives today. Maybe there's, you know, we're getting ready to have the Lord's Supper next week. Well, why not, why not enter into the reality that if I do have a, a relationship within the body of Christ that's not healthy and I'm actually thinking wrong thoughts towards others, maybe I ought to, first of all, ask God for forgiveness and then go, go meet that person and say, listen, I'd like to work on the love of God in our relationship. And, and, and let's see what God does. All right? So that's, that's an assignment for next week. All right. Secondly, we see that God's work of love in us, 
gives us confidence that we are righteous as Jesus is righteous. Now, how is this practical? How is this changing? You know, how is God's love going to change me? Sometimes we just have a horrible view of who we are. All right? I mean, seriously, this idea of me being righteous like Jesus, that's not something I really engaged in in my young Christian life. But it ought to be. And John's bringing it to the forefront here. He says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And so hopefully my, okay, I think I I modified these. Hopefully it's going to work. This word perfected is not the idea of without uh, error. Uh, Love has been, it's, it's the idea, as I've said before, it's it's love is accomplishing the purpose for which God gave us love for, right? Love has been uh, fulfilled. It's been completed among us. Notice the among us here. This is a community thing, right? When, when in, in, in marriage counseling all the time, I'm, I'm sharing with people, usually it's in pre-marriage counseling, but maybe if you're married and you need this, you can apply it to your life. But when the husband is loving the wife, right? And the wife is loving the husband. There is a strong bond that takes place. And he's saying here, love has been perfected among us in this. He's talking about the love that we have for one another. It's the love of God, right? But the purpose of that love among us has been completed. The purpose is happening. And it's just like a marriage when, when two people, and they're, they're not thinking of themselves, they're thinking of their spouse, and they're thinking of their spouse, it's a strong bond. But you know in reality, and this is the marriage part of it, when someone becomes selfish and they're thinking of themselves, and their spouse is thinking of them, this is the dynamic, right? And eventually what happens is that relationship will split. That's not the kind of love that we have with God. He says love has been perfected. It's, it actually is com- it's accomplishing the purpose for which God has, has uh, created it for, and it's specifically the love among us in this. What? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. We have this reality, this, perf- this perfected love, and, and, it, and, it, and it gives us some things that we can uh, grab hold of that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. This is why I had the, the, the scripture read earlier um, out of Revelation 20. And it's the idea we get a picture of the scene in heaven where, where judgment is coming. We could have gone to the book of Matthew, chapter 24, 25, and there where, where the sheep and the goats are being separated. And, and we know there are those going to heaven and there are those going to hell. There are those that are, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and I never knew you. We know that's a reality, and it's really going to take place. And we need to allow that to wash over our minds and hearts on a daily basis. But he's saying here, for that group of people whose love has been perfected, for that group of people who are the redeemed, he says, listen, that this this perfected love, it, it gives us boldness in the day of judgment. This idea of boldness is what we've talked about before. It's the idea of confidence to speak. There, there's a song that says, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I can only imagine, right? One of my fa- absolute favorite songs. You may love it, you may hate it, I don't know, but I love it. You know, uh, the idea of I can only imagine, you know, when I come into your presence, will I stand in your presence or my knees will I fall? And, and I've often said, you know, oh, I'm confident I would fall to my knees. But why? Are you falling to your knees in fear of God? 
or an adoration of him. There's a difference here. We live in a world where people are afraid of God. The God of the Bible, anyway. They love their own God. But here, I'm just saying, here he says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. What John is saying that because of the love of God that has worked in us and through us, we're going to be able to one day, on the day of judgment, on the day when Jesus Christ is judge, we will be able to stand and we'll be able to speak boldly. Not, not boldly as in rudely, but confidently. Why? Why are we able to do that? It says right here, because he is, because as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus at this very moment is in the presence of God the Father because Jesus is righteous. That's him where he is. There's all kinds of views on exactly what this means, but in the context of of judgment, I think this is the the easiest to explain. And I think it says this, because as he is, he is, he is in right standing before God. The sins of the world were laid upon him, but he atoned for them all. And he is righteous. And I think John's even called him Jesus Christ the righteous. And here we see that so as he is, so are we now. Do you think of yourself as righteous? Do you think of yourself being able to stand in the presence of God? But wait a minute, I'm, I'm a sinner and I still sin. Right! But you can have confidence that you are going to stand in the day of judgment because God's love demands it. His love has worked in you, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, where you will be able to speak and stand and and be in the presence of God without shame and without concern for judgment. Let me me go back, because I thought I put this slide, and I'm sorry to keep doing this, but God's work of love in us gives us confidence that we are righteous as Jesus is unrighteous. How does that practically change our life today? It means that when we walk out these doors and we're sitting at the restaurant and something happens in the room, whether it's another, uh, whether it's the server or the owner, another, another uh, uh, person who's, who's having a meal there and they do something in your life and, uh, and, 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 and maybe you don't, you have to let this righteousness of Jesus, I'm righteous. I, I need to act the way that I am. Jesus looks, God looks at me as righteous. I ought to act righteously. Let me not shortchange the person. Let me live out my faith. Let me share the gospel. Let me do whatever. But have this confidence because God's work, he's the one working, and he gives us confidence. And this confidence is something that was supposed to invade all areas of our life. So take heart in the fact that you are righteous in the eyes of God. Let it impact the way you live. I don't know how that will impact you directly, but I'm asking you, consider it. How does the fact that you are righteous in the eyes of God, how is that going to be lived out in your life? If it's lived out selfishly, you're wrong. It needs to be lived out in love towards others. All right, so, so let me keep going here because I'm, I'm running out of time. But um, God's initiation of love drives away every fear of experiencing his judgment. This kind of goes with the previous text without a doubt when we're talking about judgment. But notice what he says here. There is no fear in love. I'll go back to the slide so you can write it down. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, this perfected love, right, casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And so I've read this text so many different times in my life, and I've always felt like verse 19 was just kind of like hanging out there to dry. It's like, we love him because he first loved us. Why is that tacked on the end? It's not tacked on the end. 
If you, if you consider this, it's God's initiation of love is what God is doing. He's saying God's initiation of love drives away every fear of experiencing his judgment. Look at that text. We love him because he first loved us. Why are you fearing judgment? He initiated the love to begin with. It's not hanging out there. It's, it's, the, it's the hook to hang this portion on. There's no fear in love. Why? Because God initiated it. Perfect love casts out fear. Well, how does that work? Because God initiated it. God's the, he's the originator of love. It's, it's not that you have to figure anything out. It's there right for us in the text. We love him because he first loved us. And because of that, there is no fear in love. Uh, but perfect love casts out fear. This fear is specifically the fear of judgment. The fear that somehow that we would be amongst those goats. That somehow we would experience the wrath of God. And so if you know your scripture... And if you understand the gospel, this is why I say, if people understood the gospel, they'd come to faith. But they don't, many people don't understand the gospel, so they don't come to faith. They, they twist it somehow, or it's confusing, and that's why we have to be patient and loving with people and share it with them over and over again to help them understand. But he's saying, listen, this perfected love, the love of God that's come and, and worked in our lives, and as we're loving one another, it it not only gives us confidence to stand in His presence, it enables us to cast out the fear that, that we are so accustomed to falling into. Because we're, we're fearful that there's torment waiting for us. You know, there's people that, that after they come to faith, they sin and they feel like, oh, I've lost my salvation. No, 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 no. That's not what it's saying. Trust the gospel. It says very clearly, those who, uh, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The one who still fears is not mature. The one is still thinking that, that uh, their sinful actions in this life are somehow going to negate the love of God uh, shown to us by, the, by the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is your, is your sin more powerful than the cross? No way. He says, but he who fears judgment, torment, has not been matured in love. They don't understand this love of God that we are called to uh, practice and believe in in our lives, right? In our lives. So there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out the fear. So there's, there's, this is that idea. We, we do not have to go through a life. How is this practical? Stop living the defeated Christian life. Stop, stop telling yourself the lies or believing the lies that somehow you're deficient. No, you are not deficient. You are in Christ and his love was initiated towards us so that we might be changed by it and he might change others by it. Lastly, we see that God's, uh, uh, you know, this is the slides I thought I said earlier. So we're just going to move right past those, right? God's command to love others is given to help us know how to love him. This is one of the purposes of love, and this is very practical. Some people want to know, how can I love better? How can I love God better? Uh, so back in the day, when the, when the monks was a big thing, right? Uh, I think it was um, Luther, you know, that discovered that when he went into the uh, the monk life and was in a, in a room all by himself, his sin came with him, right? And so when we, when we talk about loving God, it's not going and getting alone with God that shows you your love for him. It's the love that you express to others is what shows love for him. God's command to love others is given to help us know how to love him. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. We've already heard this uh, from John. 
For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love the God whom he hasn't seen? We were already told by John that no one's ever seen God. Right? This idea of us loving others, this other-oriented active love, is what enables people to see God and to know that he is real. Because it is only this love, that this world does, the world doesn't know this love, and when they, the world sees this love, they're like, ooh, what is that? It's God's love in action. And so he says, listen, you cannot say I love God and hate your brother or sister. It, it cannot be true. It, sh- it, it must not be true. And so we're told that we are the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also and sister. And that's why we are called to live in relationship with one another. This is what it's all about. The fact that we, don't, we want to know this love that God has, and we want to know it every day, so it changes us, and it changes our relationships. And if there's any one person that's come to your mind today as you are out of fellowship with that person, you are somehow not right with that person, you are not allowed to ignore that because of the command of God. Because we cannot say, I love God and hate our brother. It's like James saying you can't get uh, fresh, you can't have spring water and fresh water, excuse me, uh, salt water and fresh water out of the same spring. It doesn't have, it shouldn't be that way. So let's be those who are seeking to be actively allowing God's love to change us every day. All right? God's love is meant to change the way we live every single day. So therefore, how, how can we do this? Uh, one, we are to practice continuous love. You're never off the hook. And that's actually good news. That's not, that's not a hardship. That's good news. Two, we are to live confidently in our righteousness. Don't believe the lie that somehow you're deficient. Live confidently. We are to stop living in fear, specifically fear of judgment, of, of God's judgment. But we know for those who are in Christ, right, there is therefore now no condemnation. We have left death and we are forever in life. And last, we are to love others to show our love for God. And so that is, John, John has been beating the same drum for a while now. And uh, my hope is, is that you will uh, allow the words of Scripture to wash over you. And as I seek to wash them over me, and let's, let's live uh, as what I call the community of the redeemed, and let's allow God's love to change us the way God wants to change us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this portion of Scripture, and, and Father, for all the things that we've talked today, the different aspects of love, loving our community, loving our neighbor, uh, loving one another, loving you. Uh, Father, I pray that as we seek to live out your Scripture, your commandments to us, that we would be intent on allowing, to take in a few minutes at some point in time and actually thinking about, well, what exactly is this saying? And how is it supposed to change my life? Father, maybe there's one here today that is, that is uh, not understanding the love of God, the love that you have for them, the love that was shown so vividly as Jesus Christ hung on that cross. There is no greater visual picture of your love than your one and only son hanging on that cross, dying for my sins, dying for the sins of everyone when he was innocent. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that is still caught up in their sin and they've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would call them to yourself. And may they have the love of God change them from the inside out. 
And for all of us, Father, that claim to know Christ and to be a disciple, I pray, Father, that today would be a day where we allow ourselves the, the freedom to say, how can your love change me today? And then to be set free to do what it is you've called us to do. Lord, give us a love for people that is showing your love for them. And may you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.